The Fourth Book of the History of Britain by John Milton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The History of Britain, the Fourth Book. The Saxons, grown up now to seven absolute kingdoms, and the latest of them established by succession, finding their power arrive well nigh at the utmost of what was to be gained upon Britons, and as little fearing to be displanted by them, had time now to survey at leisure one another's greatness, which quickly bred among them either envy or mutual jealousies, till the West Kingdom, at length grown overpowerful, put an end to all the rest. Meanwhile, above others, Ethelbert of Kent, who by this time had well ripened his young ambition, with more ability of years and experience in war, what before he attempted to his loss, now successfully attains, and by degrees brought all the other monarchies between Kent and Humber to be at his devotion, to which design the kingdom of West Saxons, being the firmest of them all, at that time sore shaken by their overthrow at Woden's birth and the death of Cowland, gave him no doubt a main advantage. The rest yielded not subjection, but as he earned it by continual victories. But to win him the more regard abroad, he marries Bertha, the French king's daughter, though a Christian, and with this condition to have the free exercise of her faith under the care and instruction of Letardus, a bishop, sent by her parents along with her, the king notwithstanding, and his people retaining their old religion. Beda, out of Gildas, lays it sadly to the Britons' charge that they never would vouchsafe their Saxon neighbours the means of conversion. But how far to blame they were, and what hope there was, of converting, in the midst of so much hostility, or at least falsehood, from their first arrival, is not now easy to determine. Howbeit, not long after, they had the Christian faith preached to them by a nation more remote, and, as report went, counted old in Peter's time, upon this occasion. The Northumbrians had a custom at that time, and many hundred years after not abolished, to sell their children for a small value to any foreign land, of which number two comely youths were brought to Rome, whose fair and honest countenances invited Gregory, archdeacon of that city, among others that beheld them, pitying their condition, to demand whence they were. It was answered, by some who stood by, that they were Angli of the province Dera, subjects to Allah, king of Northumberland, and by religion pagans, which last Gregory deploring, framed on a sudden this allusion to the three names he heard, that the Angli, so like to angels, should be snatched de ira, that is, from the wrath of God, to sing hallelujah, and forthwith obtaining license of Benedict the Pope, would have come and preached here among them, had not the Roman people, whose love endured not the absence of so vigilant a pastor over them, recalled him, then on his journey, though he did not abandon, but only deferred for a while his pious intention. Note, post-Christ 596, return to text. For some years after, succeeding to the papal seat, and now in his fourth year, admonished Seth Beda by divine instinct, he sent Augustine, whom he had designed for bishop of the English nation, and other zealous monks with him, to preach to them the gospel, who, being now on their way, discouraged by some reports, 
for their own carnal fear, sent back Austin in the name of all to beseech Gregory that they might return home and not be sent a journey so full of hazard to a fierce and infidel nation whose tongue they understood not. Gregory, with pious and apostolic persuasion, exhorts them not to shrink back from so good a work, but cheerfully to go on in the strength of divine assistance. The letter itself, yet extant among our writers of ecclesiastic story, I omit here, as not professing to relate of those matters more than what mixes aptly with civil affairs. The abbot Austin, for so he was ordained over the rest, re-encouraged by the exhortations of Gregory and his fellows by the letter which he brought them, came safe to the Isle of Thanet. Note, post-Christ, 597. Return to text. In number about forty, besides some of the French nation whom they took along as interpreters. Ethelbert the king, to whom Austin at his landing had sent a new and wondrous message, that he came from Rome to proffer heaven and eternal happiness in the knowledge of another god than the Saxons knew, unquote, appoints them to remain where they had landed, and necessaries to be provided them, consulting in the meantime what was to be done. And after certain days, coming into the island, chose a place to meet them under the open sky, possessed with an old persuasion that all spells, if they should use any to deceive him, so it were not within doors, would be unavailable. They, on the other side, called to his presence, advancing for their standard a silver cross and the painted image of our Saviour, came slowly forward, singing their solemn litanies, which wrought in Ethelbert more suspicion, perhaps, that they used enchantments. Till, sitting down as the king willed them, they there preached to him and all in that assembly the tidings of salvation whom having heard attentively the king thus answered quote, fair indeed and ample are the promises which ye bring and such things as have the appearance in them of much good yet such as being new and uncertain i cannot easily assent to quitting a religion which my ancestors with all the english nation so many years i have retained nevertheless because ye are strangers and have endured so long a journey to impart us the knowledge of things which i persuade me you believe to be the truest and the best ye may be sure we shall not recompense you with any molestation but shall provide rather how we may friendliest entertain ye nor do we forbid you to gain whom you can by preaching to your belief unquote. and accordingly their residence he allotted them in dorothurn or canterbury his chief city and made provision for their maintenance, with free leave to preach their doctrine where they pleased. By which, and by the example of their holy life, spent in prayer, fasting, and continual labor in the conversion of souls, they won many, on whose bounty and the king's, receiving only what was necessary, they subsisted. There stood without the city on the east side an ancient church built in honor of St. Martin, while yet the Romans remained here in which Bertha the Queen went out usually to pray. Note, post-Christ 598, return to text. Here they also began first to preach, baptize, and openly to exercise divine worship. But when the king himself, convinced by their good life and miracles, became Christian and was baptized, which came to pass in the very first year of their arrival, 
then multitudes daily conforming to their prince thought it an honour to be reckoned among those of his faith to whom ethelbert indeed principally showed his favour but compelled none for so he had been taught by them who were both the instructors and authors of his faith quote, that christian religion ought to be voluntary not compelled unquote. about this time kelwulf the son of cutha colin's brother reigned over the west saxons note post christ six hundred one return to text after his brother Caola or kelric and had continual war either with english welsh picts or scots but austin whom with his fellows ethelbert had now endowed with a better place for their abode in the city and other possessions necessary to livelihood crossing into france was by the archbishop of arles at the appointment of pope gregory ordained archbishop of the english and returning sent to rome lawrence and peter two of his associates to acquaint the pope of his good success in england and to be resolved of certain theological or rather levitical questions with answers to which not proper in this place gregory sends also to the great work of converting that went on so happily a supply of labourers Meletus, justice alinus Rufinian, and many others who what they were may be guessed by the stuff which they brought with them vessels and vestments for the altar copes relics and for the archbishop austin a pall to say mass in to such a rank superstition that age was grown though some of them yet retaining an emulation of apostolic zeal lastly to ethelbert they brought a letter with many presents austin thus exalted to archiepiscopal authority recovered from the ruins and other profane uses a christian church in canterbury built of old by the romans which he dedicated by the name of christ's church and joining to it built a seat for himself and his successors a monastery also near the city eastward where ethelbert at his motion built st peter's and enriched it with great endowments to be a place of burial for the archbishops and kings of kent so quickly did they step up into fellowship of pomp with kings while thus ethelbert and his people had their minds intent on religion ethelfrid the northumbrian king was not less busied in far different affairs for being altogether warlike and covetous of fame he more wasted the britons than any saxon king before him winning from them large territories which either he made tributary or planted with his own subjects note post christ six hundred three return to text whence edun king of those scots that dwelt in britain jealous of his successes came against him with a mighty army to a place called degsasta but in the fight losing most of his men himself with a few escaped only tybald the king's brother and the whole wing which he commanded being unfortunately cut off made the victory to ethelfrid less entire yet from that time no king of scots in hostile manner durst pass into britain for a hundred and more years and what some years before kelwulf the west saxon is annulled to have done against the scots and picts passing through the land of ethelfrid a king so potent unless in his aid and alliance is not likely buchanan writes as if ethelfrid assisted by cowlin whom he mistitles king of east saxons 
had a battle before this time with Aden, wherein Kutha, Cowlin's son, was slain. But Kutha, as above written from better authority, was slain in fight against the Welsh twenty years before. The number of Christians began now, note, post-Christ 604, return to text, to increase so fast that Augustine, ordaining bishops under him, two of his assistants, Melitus and Justice, sent them out both to the work of their ministry, and Melitus, by preaching, converted the East Saxons, over whom Siebert, the son of Sleda, by permission of Ethelbert, being born of his sister Ritula, then reigned whose conversion Ethelbert to gratulate built them the great church of St. Paul in London to be their bishop's cathedral, as Justice also had his built at Rochester, and both gifted by the same king with fair possessions. Hitherto Austin laboured well among infidels, but not with like commendation soon after among Christians. For by means of Ethelbert summoning the Briton bishops to a place on the edge of Worcestershire, called from that time Augustine's Oak, he requires them to conform with him in the same day of celebrating Easter, and many other points wherein they differed from the rites of Rome, which, when they refused to do, not prevailing by dispute, he appeals to a miracle, restoring to sight a blind man whom the Britons could not cure. At this some they moved, though not minded to recede from their own opinions without further consultation, they request a second meeting, to which came seven Briton bishops, with many other learned men, especially from the famous monastery of Bangor, in which were said to be so many monks, living all by their own labour, that being divided under seven rectors, none had fewer than three hundred. One man there was who stayed behind, a hermit by the life he led, who by his wisdom effected more than all the rest who went, being demanded, for they held him as an oracle, how they might know Austin to be a man from God, that they might follow him, he answered, quote, that if they found him meek and humble, they should be taught by him, for it was likeliest to be the yoke of Christ, both what he bore himself and would have them bear, but if he bore himself proudly, that they should not regard him, for he was then certainly not of God. Unquote. They took his advice, and hasted to the place of meeting, whom Austin, being already there before them, neither arose to meet, nor received them in any brotherly sort, but sat all the while pontifically in his chair. Whereat the Britons, as they were counselled by the holy man, neglected him, and neither hearkened to his proposals of conformity, nor would acknowledge him for an archbishop. And in the name of the rest, Denothus, then abbot of Bangor, is said thus sagely to have answered him. As to the subjection which you require, be thus persuaded of us that in the bond of love and charity we are all subjects and servants to the church of God, yea, to the Pope of Rome and every good Christian, to help them forward, both by word and deed, to be the children of God. Other obedience than this we know not to be due to him whom you term the Pope, and this obedience we are ready to give both to him and to every Christian continually. Besides, we are governed under God by the Bishop of Carlion, who is to oversee us in spiritual matters. 
to which austin thus presaging some say menacing replies since ye refuse to accept of peace with our brethren ye shall have war from your enemies and since ye will not with us preach the word of life to whom ye ought from their hands ye shall receive death this though writers agree not whether austin spake it as his prophecy or as his plot against the britons fell out accordingly for many years were not passed note post christ six hundred seven return to text when ethelfrid whether of his own accord or at the request of ethelbert incensed by austin with a powerful host came to westchester then called carelegia where being met by the british forces and both sides in readiness to give the onset he discerns a company of men not habited for war standing together in a place of some safety and by them a squadron armed whom having learnt upon some inquiry to be priests and monks assembled thither after three days fasting to pray for the good success of their forces against him therefore they first saith he shall feel our swords for they who pray against us fight heaviest against us by their prayers and are our most dangerous enemies and with that turns his first charge upon the monks brockmail the captain set to guard them quickly turns his back and leaves above twelve hundred monks to a sudden massacre whereof scarce fifty escaped but not so easy work found ethelfrid against another part of britons that stood in arms whom though at last he overthrew yet it was with slaughter nearly as great of his own soldiers to excuse austin of this bloodshed lest some might think it his revengeful policy beda writes that he was dead long before although if the time of his sitting archbishop be rightly computed to have been sixteen years he must have survived this action other just ground of charging him with this imputation appears not save what evidently we have from geoffrey of monmouth who wait we know the same year Kelwulf made war on the south saxons bloody saith huntington to both sides but most to them of the south and four years after note post christ six eleven return to text dying left the government of the west saxons to kinegils and quichelm the sons of his brother Carola. Others, as Florent of Worcester and Matthew of Westminster, will have Quichelm to have been the son of Kinegils, but admitted to reign with his father, in whose third year, note, post Christ 614, return to text, they are recorded with joint forces or conduct to have fought against the Britons in Beendoon, now Binden in Dorsetshire, and to have slain of them about two thousand more memorable was the second year following note post christ six sixteen return to text by the death of ethelbert the first christian king of saxons and no less a favourer of all civility in that rude age he gave laws and statutes after the example of roman emperors which were written with the advice of his wisest counsellors but in the english tongue and were observed long after wherein his special care was to punish those who had stolen aught from church or churchman, thereby showing how gratefully he received at their hands the Christian faith, which he no sooner did, but his son Eadbald took the course as fast 
to extinguish, not only falling back into heathenism, but that which heathenism was wont to abhor, marrying his father's second wife. Then soon was perceived what multitudes for fear or countenance of the king had professed Christianity, returning now as eagerly to their old religion, nor stayed the apostasy within one province, but quickly spread over the East Saxons, occasioned there likewise, or set forward by the death of their Christian king, Siebert, whose three sons, of whom two are named Sexted and Seward, refused in his lifetime to be brought to baptism, and after his decease, re-established the free exercise of idolatry. Nor so content, they set themselves in despite to do some open profanation against the other sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Coming, therefore, into the church where Melitus the bishop was ministering, they required him in abuse and scorn to deliver to them, though they were unbaptized, the consecrated bread. And upon his refusal to comply with their request, they drove him disgracefully out of their dominion, who crossed forthwith into Kent, where things were in the same plight, and thence into France with Justice, Bishop of Rochester. But divine vengeance deferred not long the punishment of men so impious, for Eadbald, vexed with an evil spirit, fell often into foul fits of distraction, and the sons of Siebert, in a fight against the West Saxons, perished with their whole army. But Eadbald, within the year, by an extraordinary means, became penitent. For when Lawrence, the archbishop and successor of Austin, was preparing to ship for France after Justice and Melitus, the story goes, if it be worth believing, that St. Peter, in whose church he spent the night before in watching and praying, appeared to him, and, to make the vision more sensible, gave him many stripes for offering to desert his flock. At sight whereof the king, to whom next morning he showed the marks of what he had suffered, by whom and for what cause, relenting and in great fear, dissolved his incestuous marriage, and applied himself to the Christian faith more sincerely than before, with all his people. But the Londoners, addicted still to paganism, would not be persuaded to receive again Melitus for their bishop, and to compel them was not in his power. Thus, note, post-Christ 617, return to text, much through all the south was troubled in religion, as much were the north parts disquieted through ambition. For Ethelfred, king of Bernicia, as was touched before, having thrown Edwin out of Deira, and joined that kingdom to his own, not content to have bereaved him of his right, whose known virtues and high parts gave cause of suspicion to his enemies, sends messengers to demand him of Redwall, king of the East Angles, under whose protection, after many years wandering obscurely through all the island, he had placed his safety. Redwald, though he had promised all defence to Edwin as to a suppliant, yet being tempted with continual and large offers of gold, and not contemning the puissance of Ethelfred, yielded at length either to dispatch him or to give him into their hands. But being earnestly exhorted by his wife not to betray the faith and inviolable law of hospitality and refuge given, he at last prefers his first promise as the more religious, and not only refuses to deliver him up, but, since war was thereupon denounced, determines to be beforehand with the danger, and, with a sudden army raised, surprises Athelfrid, little dreaming of an invasion, and in a fight near to the east side of the river Idle, 
on the Mercian border, now Nottinghamshire, slays him, dissipating easily those few forces which he had thought to march out over hastily with him, who yet, as a testimony of his fortune, not his valour, to be blamed, slew first, with his own hands, Rainer, the king's son. His two sons, Oswald and Oswald, by Acca, Edwin's sister, escaped into Scotland. By this victory, Redwald became so far superior to the other Saxon kings that Beda reckons him the next after Ella and Ethelbert, who, besides this conquest of the north, had likewise all on the hither side of the Humber at his obedience. He had formerly in Kent received baptism, but coming home and being persuaded by his wife, who still, it seems, was his chief counsellor to good or bad alike, relapsed into his old religion yet not willing to forgo his new, thought it not the worst way, lest perhaps he might err in either, for more assurance to keep them both, and in the same temple erected one altar to Christ and another to his idols. But Edwin, as with more deliberation he undertook, and with more sincerity retained the Christian profession, so also in power and extent of dominion far exceeded all before him subduing all saith beda english or british even to the isles then called mevanian anglesey and man settled in this kingdom by redwald he sought in marriage edelberga whom others call tate the daughter of ethelbert to whose ambassadors eadbald her brother made answer that quote, to wed their daughter to a pagan was not the christian law Edwin replied that, quote, to her religion he would be no hindrance, which with her whole household she might freely exercise, and moreover that if, when examined, it were found the better, he would embrace it, unquote. These ingenuous offers, opening so fair a way to the advancement of truth, are accepted. Note, post-Christ 625, return to text. And Paulinus, as a spiritual guardian, is sent along with the Virgin. He, being to that purpose made bishop by justice, omitted no occasion to plant the gospel in those parts, but with small success, till the next year, Whichelm, at that time one of the two West Saxon kings, envious of the greatness which he saw Edwin growing up to, sent privily Eumerus, a hired swordsman, to assassinate him, who, under pretense of doing a message from his master, with a poisonous weapon stabbed at Edwin, conferring with him in his house by the river Derwent in Yorkshire on an Easter day, which Lilla, one of the king's attendants, at the instant perceiving, with a loyalty that stood not then to deliberate, abandoned his old body to the blow, which, notwithstanding, made passage through to the king's person, with a wound not to be slighted. The murderer, encompassed now with swords and desperate, for revenges his own fall with the death of another, whom his poniard reached home. Paulinus, omitting no opportunity to win the king from misbelief, obtained at length this promise from him, that if Christ, whom he so magnified, would give him to recover of his wound and victory of his enemies who had thus assaulted him, he would then become Christian. In pledge whereof, he gave his young daughter, Infled, to be bred up in religion, who with twelve others of his family on the day of Pentecost, was baptized. And by that time, well recovered of his wound, 
To punish the author of so foul a fact, he went with an army against the West Saxons, whom, having quelled by war, and of such as had conspired against him, put some to death and pardoned others, he returned home victorious, and from that time worshipped no more his idols. Yet ventured not rashly into baptism, but first took care to be instructed rightly in what he learnt, examining and still considering with himself and others whom he held wisest. Though Boniface the Pope, by large letters of exhortation both to him and his queen, was not wanting to quicken his belief. But while he still deferred, and his deferring might seem now to have passed the maturity of wisdom to a faulty lingering, Paulinus, by revelation, as was believed, coming to the knowledge of a secret which befell him strangely in the time of his troubles, on a certain day went in boldly to him, and laying his right hand on the head of the king, asked him if he remembered what that sign meant. The king, trembling and in amaze rising up, straight fell at his feet. Behold, said Paulinus, raising him from the ground, God hath delivered you from your enemies and given you the kingdom, as you desired. Perform now what long since you promised him to receive his doctrine, which I now bring you, and the faith, which, if you accept, shall to your temporal felicity add eternal. The promise claimed of him by Paulinus, how and wherefore made, though savouring much of legend, is thus related. Redwald as we heard before, dazzled with the gold of Ethelfred, or by his threatening over Og, having promised to yield up Edwin, one of his faithful companions, of which he had some few with him in the court of Redwall, but never shrunk from his adversity, about the first hour of night comes in haste to his chamber, and calling him forth for better secrecy, reveals to him his danger, offers him his aid to make his escape, but that course not being approved as seeming dishonourable without more manifest cause to begin distrust towards one who had so long been his only refuge the friend departs edwin left alone without the palace gate full of sadness and perplexed thoughts discerns about the dead of night a man neither by countenance nor by habit to him known approaching towards him who after salutation asked him why at this hour when all others were at rest he alone so sadly sat waking on a cold stone edwin not a little misdoubting who it might be asked him again what his sitting within doors or without concerned him to know to whom he again think not that who thou art or why sitting here or what danger hangs over thee is to me unknown. But what would you promise to that man, whoever would befriend you out of all these troubles and persuade Redwald to the like? All that I am able, answered Edwin. And he, what if the same man should promise to make you greater than any English king hath been before you? I should not doubt, quoth Edwin, to be answerably grateful. And what if to all this he would inform you, said the other, in a way to happiness beyond what any of your ancestors have known? Would you hearken to his counsel? 
Edwin, without stopping, promised he would, and the other laying his right hand on Edwin's head. When this sign, said he, shall next befall thee, remember this time of night and this discourse to perform what thou hast promised. And with these words disappearing, he left Edwin much revived, but not less filled with wonder who this unknown person should be. When suddenly the friend, who had been gone all this while to listen further what was like to be decreed of Edwin, comes back and joyfully bids him rise to his repose, for that the king's mind, though for a while drawn aside, was now fully resolved not only not to betray him, but to defend him against all enemies, as he had promised. This was said to be the cause why Edwin, admonished by the bishop of a sign which had befallen him so strangely, and as he thought so secretly, arose to him with that reverence and amazement as to one sent from heaven to claim that promise of him which he perceived well was due to a divine power that had assisted him in his troubles to paulinus therefore he makes answer that the christian belief he himself ought by promise and intended to receive but would confer first with his chief peers and counsellors that if they likewise could be won all at once might be baptized they therefore being asked in council what their opinion was concerning the new doctrine and well perceiving which way the king inclined every one thereafter shaped his reply the chief priest speaking first discovered an old grudge he had against his gods for advancing others in the king's favour above him their chief priest another hiding his court compliance in a grave sentence commended the choice of certain before uncertain upon due examination to like purpose answered all the rest of his sages none openly dissenting from what was likely to be the king's creed whereas the preaching of paulinus could work no such effect upon them toiling till that time without success whereupon edwin renouncing heathenism became christian and the pagan priest, offering himself freely to demolish the altars of his former gods, made some amends for his teaching to adore them. With Edwin, note, post-Christ 627, return to text, his two sons, Osfrid and Infrid, born to him by Quenburga, daughter of Sethbeda of Carol, king of Mercia, in the time of his banishment, and with them most of the people, both nobles and commons, easily converted were baptized he with his whole family at york in a church hastily built up of wood the multitude most part in rivers northumberland thus christened paulinus crossing the river humber converted also the province of lindsay and blecca the governor of lincoln with his household in most of that city wherein he built a church of stone curiously wrought but of small continuance for the roof in beda's time uncertain whether by neglect or by enemies was down the walls only standing meanwhile in mercia kirrell a kinsman of wibber saith huntington not a son having long withheld the kingdom from penda with his son left it now at length to him in the fiftieth year of his age with whom kinegils and quichhelm the west saxon kings two years after note post christ six twenty nine return to text having by that time it seems recovered strength since the inroad made upon them by edwin 
fought at Sisister, then made a truce. But Edwin, seeking every way to propagate the faith which, with so much deliberation, he had received, persuaded Erwald, the son of Redwald, king of East Angles, to embrace the same belief. Note, post-Christ 632. Return to text. Willingly or in awe is not known, retaining under Edwin the name only of king. But Erpwold not long survived his conversion, having been slain in fight by Rickbert, a pagan, whereby the people, having lightly followed the religion of their king, as lightly fell back to their old superstitions for above three years after. Edwin, in the meanwhile, to his faith adding virtue, by the due administration of justice, brought such peace over all his territories that from sea to sea man or woman might have travelled in safety. His care also was of fountains by the wayside, to make them fittest for the use of travellers, and, not unmindful of regal state, whether in war or in peace, he had a royal banner carried before him. But having reigned with much honour seventeen years, he was at length by Cadwallé, or Cadwallon, king of the Britons, who, with aid of the Mercian Penda, had rebelled against him, slain in a battle with his son Osfrid at a place called Hethfield, and his whole army overthrown or dispersed in the year 633, and the 47th of his age, in the eye of man worthy a more peaceful end. His head, brought to York, was there buried in the church by him begun. Sad was this overthrow, both to the church and state of the Northumbrians. For Penda, being a heathen, and the British king, though in name a Christian, yet in deeds more bloody than the pagan, nothing was omitted of barbarous cruelty in the slaughter of sex or age. Kedwalla threatening to root out the whole nation, though then newly Christian. For the Britons, and as Beter saith even to his days, accounted Saxon Christianity no better than paganism, and with them held as little communion. From these calamities, no refuge being left but flight, Paulinus, taking with him Ethelberger the queen and her children, aided by Bassus, one of Edwin's captains, made escape by sea to Eadbald, king of Kent, who, receiving his sister with all kindness, made Paulinus bishop of Rochester, where he ended his days. After Edwin, the kingdom of Northumberland became divided as before, each rightful heir seizing his part. In Deira, Osric, the son of Elfric, Edwin's uncle, by profession a Christian, and baptized by Paulinus. In Bernicia, Enfrid, the son of Ethelfrid, who all the time of Edwin, with his brother Oswald and many of the young nobility, lived in Scotland exiled, and had been there taught and baptized. No sooner had they gotten each a kingdom, but both turned recreant, sliding back into their old religion and both were the same year slain osric by a sudden eruption of kedwalla whom he in a strong town had unadvisedly besieged infrid seeking peace and inconsiderately with a few surrendering himself kedwalla now ranged at will through both those provinces using cruelly his conquest note post christ 634 return to text when oswald the brother of infrid with a small but Christian army, and a 
unexpectedly coming on, defeated and destroyed both him and his huge forces, which he boasted to be invincible, by a little river running into Tyne, near the ancient Roman wall, then called Dennisburg, the place afterwards called Heavenfield, from the cross, reported to be miraculous for cures, which Oswald there erected before the battle, in token of his faith against the great number of his enemies. Obtaining the kingdom, he took care to instruct again the people in Christianity. Sending, therefore, to the Scottish elders, Vita so terms them, among whom he had received baptism, he requested of them some faithful teacher, who might again settle religion in his realm, which the late troubles had much impaired. They, as readily hearkening to his request, sent Aidan, a Scotch monk and bishop, but of singular zeal and meekness with others to assist him, whom, at their own desire, he seated in Lindisfarne, at the episcopal seat, now Holy Island, and being the son of Ethelfred, by the sister of Edwin, as right heir, others failing, easily reduced both kingdoms of Northumberland, as before, into one, nor of Edwin's dominion lost any part, but enlarged it rather, over all the four British nations, Angles, Britons, Picts, and Scots, exercising regal authority. Of his devotion, humility, and alms-deeds much is spoken, that he disdained not to be the interpreter of Aden, preaching in Scotch or bad English, to his nobles and household servants, and had the poor continually served at his gate after the promiscuous manner of those times. His meaning might be upright, but the manner more ancient of private or of church contribution is doubtless more evangelical. End of part one of the history of Britain by John Milton. Recording by Thomas Copeland.